What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, I am very excited to share my recent interview with Brady McDonald. Brady is a $300 million real estate investor, developer, and entrepreneur who is on a mission to impact as many people as possible. He is also an ultra runner, an endurance athlete, and the creator of the Zero to 100 Mindset. In today's episode, we talk about what the zero to 100 mindset means and how he's using an upcoming 100 mile ultra marathon to donate $100,000 for charity. We talk about what a near death experience in a recent 50 mile ultra marathon taught him about his life's purpose and how to come up with a vision, come up with a plan and take massive action in any goal that you have. Now, this one was an episode that taught me a lot about the importance of speed and urgency with your goals, and I know it's going to leave you with a burning desire and energy to go after whatever you want with speed. So first, I'm going to roll the trailer, and then we're going to get into it. Do you want to complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and Ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, Brady, super pumped to have you on, man. Welcome to the show. Dude, I'm super excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Awesome. So even just in the pre-recording, like you and I bonded over this zero to 100 mindset because you're rocking the zero to 100 hat right now. So can you just, just to kick things off, can you just tell me a little bit about your background and how does this zero to 100 mindset tie into everything that you've done? Yeah. So good question. I mean, the zero to 100 is just something that I, I realized, you know, once I started putting all the pieces of my life and how I've had success and where I'm about to go. And the zero to 100 is, is kind of like, it's the mindset that looking back, it's easy to, to know what gave us success. And, and it is this zero to 100 mindset. It's like, how fast do you go from zero to 100? It's the level of action right? It's a level of commitment. It's, it's a life philosophy, right? And, and like in the amount of the speed and the level of action, I think. And ultimately, it's a community of like-minded people. And I think that's why you and I have bonded is because we have common core values, right? And when you do that, when you have that, and you know, whether it's through a messaging of zero to 100 or mindset or whatever it is, like life is easier and it's much more enjoyable. So, but for me, it wasn't always you know, I didn't have this vision until like much more recently, I would say in the last like two weeks, actually. And so I literally have taken immense action to get it to where it is. And it's just like a baby that I want people to join in because I think it's going to resonate, but I'll back up, you know, so I, I grew up in Ontario, Canada. So right now we live in Florida. I grew up in, in a small town in Ontario, you know, very no money, really cutting grass at 11 years old to pay for my own hockey gear, that type of growing up. Right. You know, I uh, lost my license for drinking and driving when I was 16. My parents were separated at that time. I, for some reason, like, I don't remember my childhood, which is pretty wild, just because I probably blacked it all out on purpose. Like, your mind just did that. But 
once I lost my license, my parents said, you know, a kid, you got to grow up. Like, so you got to go to college. And so again, perspective, the, the most successful people that they knew was my, uh, some family that lived in Northern Ontario in their forest firefighters. Oh, so wow. they're like, okay, well, you're going, why don't you go to school for forestry? And I'm like, okay, sure. So at 17 years old, I go to school, college for forestry, three hours away from home. And I was taking the forestry program. And, and then I realized that one of my friend's uh, brother's friends, he had a brand new truck and a full case of beer. And again, perspective, it's like, hey, if he can do it, I can do it, which is the zero 100 mindset that I had back then. Once I knew what I wanted, I just had to get it. And so I started faxing my resume to everybody. And long story short, I, I got the job with the same company that he worked for, right? And this is like a job where, you know, at 18 years old, making hundred grand a year. And then I ended up, so it was a four-year apprenticeship. I was uh, climbing trees, roping trees down around the hydro lines. And that turned into, again, I'm just like, hey, what's next? I want to teach the people. Like I just, I went through a four-year apprenticeship. I want to teach, I want to be the teacher. So I, I yeah. got the teacher job. And then I ended up running a training center for, uh, for 14 years. I was doing that. I ran a training center where I taught men and women how to climb trees and rope them down uh, around the hydro lines without killing themselves, essentially. And, you know, I was, I was about year 12 into that. And then I just wanted something more. I wanted time. I wanted freedom, you know, like this was years before, but I got tattooed right in my arm, one life to live. Right. And I had this mindset, like, as long as I'm making progress and taking, there's momentum, I'm, I'm perfectly happy. Cause I'm like, you know, I need what's next. It's zero to 100. Like we're on a path. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like literally stopped in my tracks. And so we, we started looking at what was next, met a guy who was a full-time real estate investor. He was, he had like 65 properties. And I did some math in my notebook the one day and realized like this guy through cash flow, mortgage pay down appreciation, he's making a million bucks a year. I'm like, hell again, zero to 100 mindset. If he can do it, I can do it. And then I just needed to know the big picture and we bought, started buying houses. And, and a couple of years later, I quit the job, you know, by then we were doing 25 to 35 deals a year. And fast forward that that all happened in Canada. You know, we had 20 staff and, and done hundreds of deals, you know, over the last eight years. And then we still wanted more, like it wasn't about the money anymore. It was just like, okay, well then there's lifestyle. There's these other mm-hmm. components to life. Once you get the money thing sorted out. And COVID was really crazy. This is going to wrap up the whole picture as to why I'm in the US. So COVID was really crazy in Canada. And, you know, like I don't do well being caged up, which is exactly what they did. We just gave birth to our second little girl. So she was two months old. And we said, I said, okay, let's, we're going to Costa Rica. Continued on business, continued on the path of of clarity. That actually, and the reason why I had the nerve to do that was because I did the 75, 75 day hard right? That was the first time in my life I quit drinking. And that gave me the clarity and the confidence and the, just the ability to make big decisions and to make big moves. And I did it. And I t- literally took my young family and us to Costa Rica for four months. And, and then when we came back, guys, they, they literally locked us down again, right? I was in a limo from Buffalo. We had to fly to Buffalo. This is how crazy it was. Because if you flew into Toronto, they would put you in a COVID jail for mm. two weeks. So we flew into Buffalo, took a limo across the airport or across the border to our house and they locked us back down. And I just said to my wife, you know what, like next winter, which is December, 2021, we are going to be going to the United States. We're going to go to Florida. We're going to go there to scale and we're going to, you know, create freedom. At this point, again, we we built an $80 million portfolio of real estate, transacted over 300 million. We're just like, I was just like, we've we got to go somewhere where we are wanted and that we can operate business. So we came down to the U.S., you know, we 
jumped in with our both feet. I just knew that I had to take massive action. I knew the very first thing I needed to do was create relationships because I had nowhere. I literally, we packed our vehicle up at our house in Ontario, packed the full thing up and we were leaving for the winter. We didn't know what we were going to go. We didn't know the strategy we were going to deploy for real estate investing or the businesses. And I knew nobody, not one soul. Went to a mastermind, created some relationships, hired a coach. And then we ended up uh, buying a bunch of properties in Cape Coral, Florida, which cemented us here. Like I can't, I got in so fast on purpose, zero to 100, that I couldn't get out. And we had to make this work. And we did. And we ended up, uh, we're developing big self-storage facilities now. And along that journey there, you know, I got into doing ultra distance races because, you know, the, some of the stuff that I've gone through over the last year and a half has probably been the hardest things that I've ever had to do. And without the right mindset, I don't know what would happen. I probably would have been went bankrupt and who knows, but I did. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> many, so many different examples there of like taking massive action. And so I think like the biggest thing like I'm taking away from this is like zero to 100 isn't just something that you talk about. It's something that you've actually lived. And I want to actually go all the way back to like the forestry, because that was something that is kind of just intriguing to me. So even what, what are a few things that you learned from forestry that even now to this day, you still either think about them or you've applied them in your everyday life? So obviously when you're climbing trees, it's extremely dangerous, right? Yeah. And so for me, there was that level of risk that made the reward worthwhile. For me, it's not worth doing if it's not hard. And I will put little effort. It does not get my attention if it's not hard. And I think that's really the mindset of zero to 102 that I didn't realize the name of it, but you know, when you can embrace the hard thing or you can embrace the scary thing or the challenging thing or the thing in that situation that could kill you, which is electricity and height, it makes it worthwhile, right? I think that's one of them, but I got good at it really quick, right? And the one thing that it took me away though was like, my daughters were looking at the scar the other day and they said like, what's that scar, daddy? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it showed up because I'm tanned. But like one day I, I spurred out of a tree and I was 60 feet up and I bear hugged the thing. Like I would have fell to the ground and died. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like I, I remember the reason why I got out of that and into, I knew I need to do something next was because I had young family. I could die in this. I know I could get it really aggressive and make a lot of money and go out on my own, but I also know I could die. And it, like, to me, like once, you know, you become a father, things change, yep. right? And so the thing that kept it exciting when I wasn't was the same thing that pushed me away from it you know, once I was a father. And so there's a bit of a bit of a change there. But when you really tie it back down to like, if, again, if it's not if it's scary, if it's easy, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, this stuff was scary and hard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really interesting, because it is almost like by doing that every single day for years, you learned how to overcome risk and fear through action, and probably just being like super focused on the present moment. And I think that's the reason why I asked that is because I was curious, like, what is that foundational thing that you learned there that served you in these next phases? And it seems like it's almost something like that, because I think when a lot of people think about either getting into real estate, signing up for a big race, moving their family somewhere, they just focus on the fears, or it's almost so easy to think about that. But the people that are able to push through and take action, like you, 
have overcome that. So is there anything, as you've been looking back at it through the zero to 100 stories, how do you actually think about it and take the action in those early stages when you first think about whatever crazy goal or idea that you have? Yeah, Mario, that's a really good question. And so while you just narrated this, I, I know exactly what it is. And then what it is for me was, but because of that job, it was so like it had to be done step by step by step by step. You couldn't skip a step or you die. Ah. Right? And so when we taught, like when I taught men and women, it was very like you do A before you do B. You don't yeah. go to B because you die, right? So it was very step by step. And we were teaching people at scale, like there would be 600 full-time staff. You got to be able to break these bigger jobs down into very, very individual steps. And it has to be done this way. And I think when uh, like I translate that into real estate, the reason we got successful in real estate was because we created systems and processes. Like, again, you do this before this and, the, and, and it's created a process. I can run it like a business. And, you know, that was my big takeaway from that career that I had. And, and when you look at a big goal, it, you know, a lot of the confusion that people get and a lot of the like the, where the fears come from is because you look at the big goal. Well, because it seems so like if you look at a mountain and you're like, I'm going to climb this, you never climbed a mountain before. It's like, damn, I can't climb the mountain. I don't even know where to start. But if you if you're like, okay, here's the mountain. And then you you methodically break that into, say, six or seven steps. And that's what I do in real estate. And then you're like, okay, well, let's we got to start at step one. Right. For me, real estate. Step one is creating the vision, because if you don't have a great vision as to what your ideal life looks like and the why, then it doesn't matter what the financing you're going to get. And you shouldn't be learning step three without learning step one. The second thing is then educating yourself on the basics. Once you do that, you're going to get clarity as to the other six steps, or sorry, five steps to climb the mountain per se, or to start your first deal. So you just have to start and, you know, you have to break the big task down into the smaller steps and start at the bottom. You know, if you're going to run an ultra marathon, if that's your goal, which it usually probably is nobody's first goal, right? <laughs> but like if you want to run a 10K, for example, or a 5K even, for me, it's always now it's who, not how. Like mm. I could just go out and run the thing or go buy a real estate property, or I could ask who can help me. That turns, you know, uh, decades into days is by hiring a coach or even just being around the right people. Mario, if somebody wanted to run a 5K and didn't know anything about it, being around you would be a great thing to do. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think, and it's even like zero to 100, there's a process to it. And yeah. what you're talking about is whenever you have a goal, trying to figure out who's already achieved it, who's already gotten there, try and understand what is their process and how can you implement it? And I, and I love that. And I think it's really cool. Like you mentioned this at the beginning, like zero to 100 is something that is kind of like a baby. It's kind of in its, its newer stages. And so I know that you have some big plans for it. Now that I understand a little bit about the story behind it, I understand it's a mindset, it's a community, it's a process. What is, what is next for zero to 100? Yeah. So it is very baby. Just so baby it is that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So for people who are listening on the audio, you need to describe what you're doing right now. Describe okay, so how zero to 100 has applied to your hat. Yeah. So I've got literally, I printed this, like I've been working for the last three or four days and we, we ran like a little bit of a contest or some stuff on social media to try to help figure out what the logo looked like. 
And of course, like I want to represent it. I want it to feel good. I want this brand to be something that people are proud to wear because it's part of them and it's part of their journey. So I literally, and I can't, of course, I'm not going to wait a couple of weeks for hats to show up. So I just printed it out and, you know, you cut it out of a piece of paper, right? And then you stick it with some tape. This is the best entrepreneurial <laughs> story. I I just love this. I love the, the action because yeah. you just got a hat. You came up with the idea, have a logo, print it off a piece of paper, stuck it on your hat. So now that you have that in place, like what what's what's next? Yeah. So, I mean, I think just on that level of action, again, that's the zero to 100 mindset. That's just the level of speed we need to be taking on our on our goals. You know, the, the, why put off till t- tomorrow what you can do today is one of my favorite sayings. And perfect action is a lie. It's just impossible. Right. So what's next for zero to 100? Like we're just getting started. So for me, I'm really, I want to create a community. Like, again, this is not about Brady. This is about a mindset and a way of life that I believe that a lot of us can follow. And in that, you know, like when you're going through life, I firmly believe like, obviously you're going to look after yourself first, you know, from a financial lifestyle thing. And then you're going to look after your family, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to need enough, you know, whether it's money or resources or the lifestyle, but then at some certain point, like for me, at least it, it, it's, it's, I'm done with that. Like I've already got that part figured out. So now it's yeah. all about other people. So when Christy and I were just creating our vision board, which again, starting with the vision, it's the most important thing is hokey pokey as that is guys. If you don't have a vision board, highly recommend it. So we're on our third iteration of our vision board since 2015. And one thing on there is that we want to donate a million dollars. I'm also on this journey to run hundred miles, which I've never done before in, in that. I, so I've got an opportunity in my, in my opinion, to tell a story that will help inspire, motivate, and help other people take action. And then not only do that, but also raise a lot of money. So I'm going to run hundred miles at Jesse Itzer's all day at their running man event. I got person to run the track and uh, I'm going to donate. I'm going to raise a thousand dollars per mile and I'm going to donate hundred grand to charity. But then The next thing I I was thinking about, like, you know, with social media and the messaging, I'm just getting a lot of messages back from people saying that, you know, they have also quit drinking, they've inspired, they've started running, they're doing a 5k, their business, everything in their life is thanks for the messaging, this type of stuff. And I'm like, I said to myself when I was running, of course, you know, when you get the clarity, I thought, what if I could 10x the amount of followers, right? I could 10x helping people, right? I could help 10 times more people. But then I said, how could I help? grow that faster, you know, again, zero to 100. And I thought, okay, I'm going to donate. What if I donate a dollar per follower? So I had this idea. I go to my wife and with the goal of hitting a hundred thousand followers. So hundred thousand dollars. So I go to my wife and I asked her, she was making dinner in the kitchen. This is just a few days ago. And I, and I get through the idea by her. What if we, you know, we donate a personally donate $1 per follower for the next three and a half months up until the race. And we'll donate all, all the charity. She says, yeah, sounds like a great idea. Yeah, instantly that fast. So then it was, you know, determining what the charity was going to be. And so we've decided that that's exactly what we're going to do. My goal here is to literally donate a hundred grand in the next three and a half months. And I'm going to share the story and tell the story and try to, you know, just share the journey of how to get to hundred miles. Again, it's something I've never done, but it doesn't have to be, I don't think the hundred for me is the goal right now, but that is, doesn't have to be anybody else's goal. Like everybody else's, your 100 could be your first rental property or it could be, you know, meeting the man or the woman or having the baby, right? It doesn't matter what your goal is. It's just, you're, you're on your path. Whatever that goal is, you know, we just need to move fast. Like time is, 
time is not renewable. This is like mm. the one resource that is the most precious and we need to do things now and take action now. So yeah, I'm going to be telling this story, talking about real estate, talking about financial independence, time, freedom, community. And that's my promise to people, you know, if they follow it, I'm going to be donating the money and, and making sure I get value. I think that's amazing. And that's a big reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast. One, like I've just been really resonating, like we talked about with your your message around mindset and family and how that carries over into every area of your life. But I really admire doing something hard for like a bigger purpose, you know, and I think that's something that we've, we've even talked about, like, you need to know why you're doing something. And when you know why you're doing it, and it's not necessarily for yourself, that's actually a lot of times what motivates you to, to overcome those obstacles and overcome those challenges. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think that's pretty admirable. And so this is almost like a good case study of like how you operate. So you have this idea, I want to run a hundred miles, but I also want to raise a lot of money for charity. You talk to your wife, you got approval to like run a hundred miles at that event, which I'll be at by the way. So I'll be able to yeah. run with you, but what are the next steps after you have the vision, you understand the purpose, you have a little bit of a plan. What are the things that you're actually doing and what are the next steps that people can can take once they have the vision, once they have the plan? What what happens next? Yeah, I mean, I think that you just need to know what the next thing is that you can do, right? And so for me, what I know about this, like getting the 100,000 followers to donate 100 grand is that I, I'm not going to do it alone. That is mm-hmm. number one. I just don't have my skill sets. Like I can do social media and I can do marketing and stuff, but not like it would be my full-time job if that's what I did. So I'm like, hey, who can help me? And, and so what, regardless of your goal, whether it's running or real estate or fitness or mindset or whatever it is, you break, okay, who can help me? And then I would try to find, you know, all the people that could help you or the different types of people or professionals that can help you throughout the big journey. And you start creating relationships and reaching out. And so what I did in this situation, this is like real life happening right now was yeah. I reached out to two people that I knew that ran social media marketing companies and just asked them like, listen, I know I can't do this alone. I need some support. Can we get on a call? And so yesterday, my friend Lowe's hooked me up with his marketing company, who he's a partner with. And I just loved the, I, they literally got on the call with me the next day. Now I got a second call today and by, they said within three days, they'll be able to launch zero to 100 where we're going to, we're doing this. I was very clear in my communication to them because my fear with dealing with people like this is that their level of speed and that they're not zero to 100. And if you're not, it's yeah. very challenging to work with me. It's probably more challenging for me because you're not moving fast enough. They seem like they're moving as fast as me, which is going to be amazing. So yeah, that's the next thing is I always try to, you got to try to break it down. You have to understand the landscape of, of the thing that you're trying to do, break it down into a, as many steps as need be. And then all you need to do is figure out what's next. I like to have like an overview, 30,000 foot overview of the big picture, but then I just need to know, okay, who can I help me? I got to do this or I got to create the brand first. Okay. First thing's logo. Okay. Like, so we literally two days, you know, went on to 99 designs and created a contest. And then we put it on the social media and you whittle it down. Okay. Perfect. Brands chosen, stick it on a hat next. Yeah. Right. Now we need to figure out the marketing strategy and the messaging, right. Just to make sure that we do this properly. I love that. So it's vision kind of plan who can help me 
reach out to them immediately and understand like what is the next step and then just take the next step as quickly as possible. Is that yeah. that kind of the process? 100%. All you need to know is the next step. The biggest thing I think that slows people down is feel like people really, like they over-educate. They want to know all the steps perfectly and have yeah. it all mapped out and whiteboarded. And we just need to know what does the vision look like? What are, what are the steps? I love it. What are the steps? And we just need to, in my opinion, just need to start on the first step. Man. Okay. This has already been so helpful for me because the biggest thing that I'm taking away is I'm not moving fast enough. Like I I've told you, I told you at the beginning, like, Hey, I'm going to be building this community, building this brand. I'm not moving fast enough like that. And so I just appreciate you sharing this process because it's, it's helpful for me to understand. All right. It's one thing to have the vision. It's one thing to have a plan, focus on the next step and, and move as quickly as you can towards that. So I love that. So then I understand the goal now is running hundred miles, but what you mentioned at the beginning was even just this ultra journey is still a relatively like recent thing. And so did it start with the 75 hard challenge that kind of got you into this doing hard things mentality or what was it that started and what has your path been like since started? That's a really good question. I would certainly say that, yes, that would be the first time that, I ever did anything hard. So I remember when this happened. So I, this was in 2019. And, and one of my friends, again, it's really important to be around the right people. Cause like one of the, my friends that was probably one of the most successful people I'd ever met. He lived okay. in the US. So I was in Canada and they were doing it and I didn't know what it was. So I asked them, what is this? What is this challenge? And they told me. And, and one of the things there is that, so you have to work out twice a day. One has to be outside, drink a gallon of water a day, personal development book, and, and you can't drink any alcohol. Right. And there's some other stuff that you have to do too. And, and I, I told my wife this and she's, she just laughed out loud. Right. Like it's literally drinking was like our hobby and our sport since I was like probably 15 years old. But again, for me, that was the challenge. That was a, ch- that was enough of a challenge to make it worthwhile. Cause if it wasn't like that, I, I it'd been too easy just to give up or just like, eh, it's not worth it. Like there's nothing here. Coming back to the forestry example, like you said, like if it's not hard for you, it's not worth trying or even doing yeah. So I did it and I crushed it. And I, it was the first time in my life that I'd ever like felt clarity sober and like, you know, my body just, I was in better shape and it was, it's a mental toughness challenge. And so what happened was then we went to Costa Rica, right? Still lived pretty healthy, came back. And I started hanging around the exact same people that I hung around with before. And so what do you think happened? I just back into it fell back into it. And again, the really important thing guys is like, if you want to see your future, just look at the people that you're hanging around. That is your, that is your future. And so I went back to my old life in November of 2021, which I was like, I need to do something different here again. I need, so I reached back out to that same person that got me into the 75 hard. And I said, I want to do the keys 100 relay because I had it on my vision board and it was coming up in May. And I thought, you know what, that would be, give me the reason why I would stop drinking or slow down on drinking and focus on my health and fitness. And that would get me back in the right mindset. It's all connected. It's like hard fitness thing, mindset, massive action. They're all connected. And it doesn't matter who you are. I believe, I believe this to be true. And so when, when I reached out to him, he said, well, dude, we're actually t- training for an Ironman. You should join me. You know, we got this accountability group and this and that, the other thing. And it's in, it was going to be in Puerto Rico in March. It was about, you know, four months away. So I'm like, perfect. Right. Never imagined in my life. Actually, I remember some of my friends doing Ironmans, like they're older guys, like mid fifties. I'm like, this guy's freaking insane. Yeah. Like for somebody to do this kind of stuff, 
Anyway, so I, again, I hired a coach and then started taking action, right? And, uh, you know, you just follow a training plan. I'm a huge proponent in just doing what I'm told, you know, when it comes to training. And, and because I, I often, I'll, I'll hire out my accountability, right? Because mm. it's just easier, like business-wise, no problem. But if I don't know it in business, I'll hire a coach. And in fitness, though, I, I definitely realized that I need to hire out my accountability. And so it was a great experience. Now it was a 70.3, nothing like what you've done. And yeah, it was a great first experience and, and it was hard and it was very rewarding. And I, I, at that point, I'm like, I think I got it. You know, I had success at doing the 75 hard. I relapsed went back to my old life and yeah. I came back to my path, zero to 100 path. And then now I'm like, I'm getting the vision as to how I need to continue to stay, you know, in the right mindset. And, and then I went, did another half Ironman. And then I started to get more into the running because I realized it's just, it's being on the bike and we travel a lot is, is just logistically annoying. So, you know, I, I, I signed up for the keys 50 and we were, this was in April. I was on my boat training for an Ironman on this bike. And I just told my coach like, this is insane. I'm traveling for the next month and a half straight. Keys keys 50 is May 20th. It's just this past May. And let, let's just focus on the run. So I think we had about two and a half months and, and then we started, you know, focusing on the run and, yeah, I mean, some of those long, those some of those days are pretty long. Like, you know, there's back to back 32 miles. The next day, you'd be, I'd be running 24 miles, 22 miles. From from that day, I left that boat, Mario. Yeah, I quit drinking. So the day that I started running for the Keys 50, I literally quit drinking, and I just said to myself, I don't know if I'll ever drink again. I honestly, unless I was injured, I have never missed a training day yet. I, I wow. may push to the next day. I, but I've gotten them all in unless I just couldn't period because my legs weren't working or something. And that was like, that again, was one of the things that I would say that changed my life again, is just like quitting the thing that wasn't serving me. You know, when I quit that, so that was uh, four months ago yesterday. Like I also quit all the things that don't serve me, including the people. Right. Mm. So if it doesn't serve me, I'm not doing it. And that was really, I mean, I, the couple half Ironmans, I mean, those are, you know, six hour events. The keys 150 was the one of like, okay, I've got this. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Cause this is where what I really believe is like, this is where endurance events and endurance training can really provide the perfect framework for any goal that you have. That it starts with you commit and you pay money for something that's on the calendar and it starts at a specific time. And so, yeah. like, you're talking about vision. It's like that vision is set, you have the vision. And then you work backwards from that. Typically you have a training plan. That training plan tells you what to do every single day. And then yeah. you learn, all right, I need to be consistent every single day. And it's not just the training. It's like, how's my sleep? How's my nutrition? How am I doing with time management? It forces you to be more intentional with all of those areas. And I just really believe that that framework is, can be so transformational and it seems like that's been a similar experience for you. Would just be curious your take on how does like an event like that, how has that shaped your everyday? Yeah, I think like, okay, a couple of different things. Number one, I forget the exact number. So don't quote me on this. When I started doing this Ironman training, I'm like, these are the same skills it takes to be good at anything. Like really yes. good at anything. dedication, you know, focus. You have to be consistent. You need to have grit. You need to yep. do what you don't want to do all yeah. the time. Right. And that's doing anything that's really well is it takes all these same things. I'm like, what is the average income of an, of an Ironman athlete? And it's like something like 280,000 US. 
compared to the average American is whatever that is, 60 or 70,000. Don't quote me on any of those numbers, but it's significantly more. And I'm like, well, this is proof. I mean, if again, if you want to be super tactical people and, and want to just do it purely by facts, you know, and you want to make more money, well, then sign up for an Iron Man and do the work. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, because right? I think it's like you've experienced this and people that are listening have likely experienced this as well. When you have a, a goal and you start training for it, you have more energy when, and you yeah. feel better. You have more clarity. When you have more clarity, you're get, that's going to carry over in, into your day. So thank you for sharing that with me. So it's 75 hard, Ironman 70.3, Ironman 70.3. Then you mentioned the keys, 50. So yeah. tell me about that race experience, because I know it was a memorable experience for, <laughs> for somebody who was watching you on Instagram, uh, documenting the process. So yeah. kind of take us through the race and what happened. Sure. So I have a fitness coach. His name's Chris, Coach Chris. So he, you know, in pre-race, we, you know, went through the entire plan. I had to write out my pre-day. What does it look like from a fuel, hydration, sleep, wake up in the morning for breakfast and all like how how is this going to go and then how is it going to happen throughout the day as well like while the event while I'm actually running and what you know what am I going to tell myself when things get hard and what's my you know my pace and all these things right and I had a plan which is essentially you know I was going to try to stick to a 10 minute per mile pace as long as I could and then you know once it got too hot because it was going to be hot then I was going to go to a a run walk to try to keep my heart rate down and cool my body to do like an eight minute run, two minute walk was my strategy. And so it ended up being 109 degrees Fahrenheit. And we started at nine o'clock in the morning. Right. And so when I started running, I started running and I'm, you know, like the first three miles, it's a, it's a point to point. So we started in marathon Florida and we run to Key West. And so you have a crew in your own vehicle and that they're basically providing you with the water and your ice and they're their crew, everything, fuel, hydration. And so they would hopscotch at these approved uh, locations. And so the first three, three miles, there was an aid station and then you have to run seven miles after that, which ended up being eight across the seven mile bridge. And so, you know, you're running the first three miles. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is fine. You know, but like very quickly, I was more r- like running on how it felt to run 10 minute pace which ended up actually being 11 minute per mile pace, but -hmm. just was what it is. I'm not going to push beyond how I feel. Right. Which is what my coach told me, you know, I got to the, my aid station. So this is probably mile 10 or 11 and it is scorching hot. And by this point I am fried and I'm boiling in my head and I, and I'm like, so I grab, you know, some ice bags. I, I hydrate, I fuel. I literally, at that point, I'd probably already drank like three liters of water and a couple liter, uh, at least a liter and change of electrolyte with tons of sodium. And I was so hot. And I, so I had ice bags and these things on my shoulders, these rags. And I started running the next seven miles was torture, was a nightmare. I didn't know how I was going to do it because I was frustrated. Like I just said to myself, if this isn't working, so I, I need to do mm. something different. So I yeah. got to the next aid station. Like this is, I mean, a couple of aid stations later where it wasn't working. And I said, okay, this is the strategy. I said to everybody, I need one bag with tons of ice. I'm going to show up. I want one bag with tons of ice and I want one rag. I'm going to put the ice in my back above my water, my, my backpack. And I put the towel, cold towel over top. And I'm going to run for four minutes and I'm going to walk for one. And so this is what I did. I did this and I just was like a robot. And I didn't really think about all I had to ever think about was like running four minutes. That was the worst of the worst. I would take it off my neck. I would stick it in my growing. It would cool my body down really fast. 
And then I would take the melted ice, dump it all over my head, stick the bag of ice back in my neck, and I would run again for four minutes. And, and literally, we, I did this on repeat. And, you know, you're running, and it was like mile 30, and you can feel the big blister on your one toe, and it pops. And then, you know, mile 40, the next, you know, and I ended up running, I think I was like running around a 12, 12 and change per mile. The fuel was great. I, I was, you know, eating goose and baby food and, and I couldn't really chew anything. It was so hot, dude. And I sweat a lot, like every 30 minutes, call it like two, two and a half miles. I would drink about uh, 1.25 liters of water. And I was going through 1800 uh, milligrams of sodium in electrolyte. Wow. Every half hour. Like it was, and it was insane. Anyway, long story short, I get to, you know, I was like, there wasn't a lot of people around. It was weird. Like, not that I was thinking about it, because I'm just thinking, okay, one mile at a time. And I, and I get into, into Key West, and I know I've got like three miles to go or now two miles to go. And I'm, you know, like, whatever. You don't even know what you're feeling. You just want it to be over. And I get into town and I get lost. I get lost. I get lost. No. And I'm like, I'm yelling at people. I'm like, hey, do you know where the finish line is? Like, there's like this lady finally yells out of her window. She's like, go down this street, turn right in this. And then anyway, I ended up riding 71 miles. Oh, no. Yeah, and I crossed the finish line, okay? So across the finish line, you know, the family was there. The girls were there, get get a couple pictures. And then I literally went horizontal in the back of my vehicle because we waited around at the finish line to figure out which place I was in. Two hours later, they tell me I was in third place. And at this point, I wasn't drinking, wasn't hydrating myself or doing anything. And then I came out, got some pictures with the award, went to my our rental. And by this point, like I was really out of it, like delirious. Mm. And my wife was getting really concerned. She was trying to hydrate me and fuel, like get me to eat food and stuff. And then I ended up getting sick. And this is now like close to midnight. She's trying to talk to me and I wasn't responding. You know, ultimately, I didn't know where I was. So she threw me back in the car, right? She said, we're going to the hospital. And I didn't even respond, right, to her. That's how just out of it I was. Yeah, it was just going a to the hospital. Yeah, I couldn't even control the situation. Get in the car and I'm back in the back of the expedition. I'm laying horizontal or probably sort of in a fetal position. And we we're driving across the seven mile bridge and there's an ambulance there because they were still aiding the, the hundred mile runners. So she stops on the bridge, gets out and starts going, hey, hey, you know, we, like, and the ambulance people are like, no, you can't park there. You park, can't park there. And she's like, no, no, my husband, he needs help. He needs help. And so they come over and they look at me and they're like, oh, yeah. So they come over the stretcher, load me up into the vehicle and away we go. You know, we went to the marathon hospital. We were, I was there for three hours. They did brain scans, heart scans, blood tests, you name it about 14 or 18 grand worth of work there. And then they decided to rush me to Miami hospital. Like I, at this point, I didn't know my kids' names. I, I thought I ran in, in Canada. That's how delirious I was. Wow. And so the next day, kind of when I started coming around, it was about 6 a.m., 7 a.m. in the Miami hospital. And the doctor was explaining, like, this is what happens, I guess, when you're low sodium and you, you get delirious, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense why I missed the turn in, in Key West, right? Like, didn't really know a pacer for the last mile. So I was ended up in, in the hospital for the three more days and, you know, with rhabdomyolysis and crazy, crazy thing. They ended up doing an EKG on my heart and determined that I've got this thing since birth where your heart's supposed to be like this. And it actually is a little bit mal, like they're not matching. So which opens up your tricuspid valve. Essentially, it's like when you have a hole in your heart. Wow. Which is just a purely an incidental finding. Anyway. 
My wife said, you are never, ever running again. <laughs> I was waiting and, for that. Yeah. So I, three days later, I was, I was released out of the hospital. And I'm like, how am I going to talk her into letting me do the 29029, which is a Mount Everest climb in two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Anyway, but I, I ended up in first place, actually. That's um, right. That was the other part. It, that yeah. they called you so they made a mistake or something once i came around the first thing i did was like i'm like huh this can't be right christy i'm in first place she's like oh. she, was, she didn't care she didn't oh at that point she did not want to hear about the race i'm she sure she was so mad yeah okay yeah. so you got first place got rabdo seemingly have recovered though like how has your recovery been from that yeah. So because of this hole in my heart, they said, you can't do anything besides golf, you know? So I'm like, oh, this is a problem. And so if, if you know wow. anything about the Canadian um, healthcare system, I, I would literally probably be not running for probably 10 months before I got to see a cardiologist. But anyway, mm. I called a cardiologist in Florida. I was able to get that reviewed all my files and they gave me the clearance two weeks. I think it was or a week and a half after they just said like, you've had the ultimate stress test. You, yeah. you, your heart performed fine. So okay. yeah, go, you can go climb Mount Everest. Yeah. And the, the recovery was more like sodium. Like, I mean, once I got my electrolytes yeah. back, I was pretty much good to go. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then what are almost like some of those big, the biggest takeaways that you have, like looking back on this 50 mile race adventure, like how are you going to use that moving forward? It was a learning experience. I mean, the, the whole thing for, with going to the hospital was a learning experience, right? And like, yeah. it was a little bit weird. I really realized that I don't have a lot of fear, right? And, and I was yeah. really considering like, you know, if this had killed me, how would I feel about my life? Mm. And honestly, I, I had all these thoughts. It was a little weird, a little interesting to think about. You know, I, I thought like, have I played all out? You know, what would I have done dif differently? And there isn't a whole lot. So I'm pretty happy about that. But that might have been also like, it's not about me anymore. It's about, okay, well, how can, I don't know. It was, I had all those thoughts though. I what like, thought? Well, what thoughts specifically? Like, like if I had died, would I have looked back and said, you know what? I lived a good life and I, and I mm, gave it all I had. And, wow. I, and I did, but I also, also had the same thoughts of like, damn, like, you know, what would I have done with the kids? if it was the last time they had saw me because my wife was super scared and she probably still is because like the hundred miles that's coming up. But you know what? I think honestly, like I'm okay with it because not, not that I want to die, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer that kids learn by watching and they are watching every single move we do. And my kid, my one daughter is homeschooled here. And like, she starts her own little business and does whatever. And she, they're all running and, and doing triathlons and stuff now, purely because they want to, not because I've asked them to. I'm really proud of how we've been able to demonstrate that doing this hard stuff. And, and they're starting to just embrace that. These skills that I've shown them, that I'm really working on trying to show them on purpose, like this is being very intentful, is it's going to pay off for their entire life, right? So it's like, it's, I don't know, it just gives me a, a sign of comfort for some reason. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that with me because I, I hadn't considered, I mean, that was kind of like a, a near-death experience, right? Where even just the, the fear of not knowing, like, will I be able to, to run again? Or will I be able to like do those things that, that you love? I'm seeing how that can really bring up some of those bigger questions, but it seems like you're almost using that as additional fuel 
to accelerate even more, not just your, your personal accomplishments, but your impact more on other people. Yeah, that's a great way, I think, to summarize. Now I realize my purpose. I've had these feelings. I, I, I feel like I know the impact it's having on both my, ch- my kids' lives and exactly. other people's, and I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what it's called yet because I didn't. But we were wow. on that zero to 100 path. So the biggest thing like that I struggled with when they did tell me my heart, the heart issue was like, how can I solve this fast? Because I've only got three weeks or I, I think it was three weeks from the day I got out of the hospital. It was two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks before I climbed 29,000 vertical feet. I like this was my goal. This was the hardest thing. I signed up for this, you know, in January last year. This is by far going to be the hardest thing I'd ever done. But then I did the 50 miles, which is significant. It was, that was the hardest thing, but I wanted to do this because it was part of the vision. It's on the calendar. Yeah. How can I get clearance as fast as possible to do this? And, you know, again, cause it, it adds to the story. It really does. And like one thing I want to touch on there because I've experienced this and it seems like you are as well is one of the best parts about doing hard things is that your definition of hard changes. Because once you do it once, right? Like you maybe thought 75 hard was like the hardest thing you ever had done. Then you did that and you're like, Ironman 70.3, that might've been the hardest thing. Then you do that and you think, what about an ultra 50 miler? You do that and then you do everything. (laughs) And then, you know, for you after the hundred, even like your definition of hard changes. And I think that that is really one of the most powerful things because it expands what you believe you are capable of. I'm just curious, is that, has that been your experience at all? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just like, it moves the bar, right? It's just, it's, it's very all about perspective, you know? And, and I feel like I've, I've had this in other aspects of my life. Like when you think about things financially, I remember when I started, you know, investing in real estate, we thought a thousand, we were terrified to lose a thousand dollars right? A thousand dollars was a lot of money. And then, you know, as you get more successful and you do bigger deals, it's like, Hey, well, 10 grand. And then it was a hundred grand. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, somehow you get comfortable, you know, risking a million dollars, which is unfathomable because seven years ago, I would have like died for a million dollars. But I think the the important part is the the fact that if you continue to push yourself, you're going to naturally go through this evolution. Right. And I think that is the path that we're on It's the zero to 100 path. It's always going to evolve. And it's, but it's really on you. It's how hard do you push the pedal? Because if you don't push the pedal, then you will not evolve. You will probably coast downhill. Yeah. And I, I'm 100% a believer that it's not just like doing hard things physically, it's challenging yourself and doing hard things physically to become the type of person who can achieve and go after bigger goals and then applying that to other areas. And even like one of the things that we can get into next is for a lot of people, like real estate is a hard, scary thing, but like we've been talking about this whole time, it's really about having a vision, you know, setting that small goal and like focusing on that first step. And people will say, oh my God, like I want to get into Ironmans or do an ultra. And I'm like, just start with a 5k. So what is what is that equivalent of like a 5k with real estate or how could you help somebody just get started and overcome that fear to just start playing that game? Yeah. You know, just like anything, starting is the hardest part, you know, and you have to kind of stack the small wins 
once you realize, okay, we're going to, you know, I think I like this real estate thing. I think, you know, other people have, you know, it says that 90% of millionaires became that because of real estate. Okay. We like the idea. Okay, great. Well, you know, let's now create the vision, right? So let's mm. break it down because without the vision, real estate is really just a tool to get there. You could, you can, you can get that financial independence and free time freedom via any lots of different vehicles. Real estate is just one of those things. But regardless yeah. of what you do, you need the vision, right? So very, I uh, I think it's really important to create the vision board. Highly recommend it. Here's all the steps. Here's the 10 questions you ask yourself or 15 questions you ask yourself about your kids, your family, the retirement, who you want to be around, what types of things you want to do. Do you want to do any philanthropy? All these aspects of your life again. So, you know, if you think of the vision board as one strategy, one thing that you got to get done, well, then what are the th- you know, three or four things that we can do now or one thing that I can do now to, to get the vision board created, because it doesn't just happen. So I'd be like, hey, what are the, go to chat GBT, <laughs> ask myself, <laughs> what are 15 questions I should ask myself about my vision board, <laughs> right? Like this is step one, this is how I do it. You know, once you got your vision board, then it's educating yourself about the basics of real estate investing. What are the strategies work? How do you analyze the location? And, and so you just focus on just purely educating yourself on the basics. I read one book, I'm going to write the book actually coming up. That's my goal in the next few months is to write the book, Amazing. the only book that you guys need, because it's just going to give you enough. And, and then the next thing after that is educating yourself on the area and, and, and due diligence on a specific area, right? Mm-hmm. Again, it's not all the areas, just a area. And then third thing is to build your power team, right? So again, who can help me? You Again, list, go to ChatGPT or I'll give you the list right? On who all I know that you need like these, you need probably like 15, 20, 15 people and then write them all out and start calling them and interview them and treat them like these, these people are going to be working for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then from there you go into your area and start looking at sites and analyzing sites and doing due diligence on sites, like through a, a process, right? Mm-hmm. Proformas using proformas, really removing the emotion from the investment versus, you know, what most people do, which is get emotional about it. And then from there, it's about making lots of offers. So these are it's like seven things that you need to do. You start at the vision. Yeah. Don't even think about doing step two until you got the vision, right? And then, you know, within... Literally, if you focus on this like one hour a day, literally five hours a week in two months, you could have your first deal. Again, it's just, but it all starts with step one. It's just everything that we've talked about is just keeps coming back to these core principles, like vision, plan, who can help me learn the process, like start putting the work in consistently over time. And then boom, like you have this thing. And even like one thing you mentioned, like writing a book. I think of writing a book as a similar type of big goal as training for a race, starting a business, whatever. So I just have to ask, like, what's your process going to be for writing the book? Is it similar, similar to everything that we've been talking about? Or like, how are you going to go about doing that? So when I always envisioned what my book would be about, it was going to be about this, you know, the life story and a bunch of stuff about running these things. But what I realized was like how I can impact the most amount of people, how I can impact that is by purely showing them how to start investing in real estate. Because I literally read one book, guys. And then I took action. So I think- What was the book? It's called Real Estate Investing in Canada. So it's it's not as relative here, but I mean, a lot of the core principles will be there of what that book has, but like more up to date. And mm-hmm. it'll be relative to, you know, the mindset. Cause I honestly believe that that, that did go into the weeds. It did a good job at like painting the picture. It was the only one that I needed. I think, you know, my, the book that I do will be similar, 
A lot of people will take 80, if we, if you look at the 80, 20 rule, we need to flip the script and do 20% education, which is the book or the webinar and 80% action. Right. But it, so I'm going to give you like the exact steps, like you do yeah. this, here's the exercise to help these three things will create the vision board. Send me, and I'm going to hold you accountable. This is all in my head anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's go. I, gonna, I love hearing this. So I have actionable steps for each of the seven chapters that are going to get you to be able to do your first deal. And I'm going to kind of like, you know, uh, what Jesse and, and these guys do with the branding and the patches and these type of things, I'm going to give you like a plaque which is the zero to 100 plaque. And then as you complete these things and send me due diligence, you're sending me a copy of your vision board. I'm going to mail you your boom here. So now you're done. Step one, you can bang it all out in probably three weeks. Realistic. Yeah. Right. Okay. But now you're good. And now you, 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 you know, you do 10 offers, you do 20 offers and get your first deal. Like you've literally went zero to 100 and what's your time frame? Three weeks, it two months, one year, whatever it is. Cause I know I can help people if they start. Yeah. And that's like we talked about, that's the hardest part is yeah. just like getting in the game, whatever that game is. And so I have loved this conversation. And like one of the biggest things that I'm taking away from it is like having the vision, but then speed on the first step. And that's probably one of my biggest takeaways. And so I just wanted to say thank you for that because it's been really helpful for me. And so one question that I like to ask typically at the end is, you know, do you have one, one piece of advice for people who are listening right now? You know, maybe they're, they're entrepreneurs, athletes, leaders, high performers, one piece of advice that you have for them to just keep going, to continue or last, despite whatever stands in their way, what comes to mind? Yeah. I think like what comes to mind is I think you need to do more of what's working and, and shed the stuff that's not, you know, and I think that's ultimately what I've figured out over the last year is like, I, I realized through 75 hard and then went back to the way I was. I, and then I came back to doing the, like the fitness thing. I realized that's the thing that works for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can look at your own business though, too, and be like, cause entrepreneurs, you probably resonate with this. Like we do have a lot of ideas. We're visionaries easy to get distracted and like go down all these rabbit holes where we need to do more of what works in our business and less yeah. of what isn't working. Right. You know, go, go real deep versus wide. Right. And, and for me, that's one thing that I've done in my life <laughs> yesterday. I got, or, yeah, I, I had a business cause collapse, like a, a multi-million dollar business collapse this week. And uh, because key players in this business left and I'm like, this is a blessing. I was really pissed off at, at the start, but then I said, you know what? This is a blessing. Yes. I could make tons of money in it, but it's taking about 15 to 20 hours of my week. I actually created this job because of, or this business, for these two people that quit, I just thought, you know what, this is a blessing because now I'm going to be able to only focus on the things that I want to do and that are working right now. Dang. Which, right. So again, I think that's what it is and whether, you know, so I think you need to figure out what's really working for your mindset. And this is the number one thing I think I'm going to, I honestly fully believe, and this may sound selfish to, to everybody listening, but I think it's the truth. And I honestly believe that everybody needs to look after themselves first. Like if you're mm -hmm. a mother, you need to look after yourself first. If you're a father, you need to look after yourself first. If you're not a parent, you still need to look after yourself first. And I'm talking like whether that's like health and fitness mindset, going to the gym, spending three hours on the bike every Saturday, working out for five, 10 hours a week, like that you have to do because that empowers you to be the best servant to your kids, to your husband, to your daughter, to your business, to your job, 
but you will not be the best if you don't look after yourself first. That's, that's a fact, right? So we need to flip the script a little bit. Let's look after number one. Let's be greedy or selfish. It's true. That's one thing that's been like really hard for me to overcome through training for a lot of these bigger races is feeling that like guilty and feeling like, oh, like I, I should be spending more time with this person or with my kids. But what I have learned is when I'm doing those things, I'm at my best. And when I do it on my schedule where it doesn't impact, you know, the family getting right. up super early or, or doing it like later, then it's really not selfish. It is like you said, like service. It's a yeah. way to help other people around you become their best. So I love that. And so, you know, obviously one thing, like people are going to be listening to this, they're going to want to follow you and, and be a part of the zero to 100 kind of mindset and community. So where can people go to follow you to follow zero to 100 and contribute to everything that you're building? Sure. Yeah. So my Instagram and Facebook is Brady.McDonald84. If you follow there, then you're going to contribute to the $100,000 donation that I'm going to make. Let's then, go. Yeah. Then the zero to 100.com is, you know, you can, you can go there. You can see a bit more of my backstory and then, you know, make sure you subscribe there because we're going to be banging out a lot of merch and stuff like that to really build this community. And, and who knows where it's going to go? I mean, this, this I'm wearing a piece of paper on my hat. We are just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love. And it's like, you're hearing about it first here. This is like thinking about vision five years from now, 10 years from now, this is going to be such a cool conversation to look back on for you to hear what your thoughts were when you were first building this thing. That's what I love about conversations like this is we're able to document them. I know that it's going to be big. I know that you are going to crush it because like I said, I've personally have experienced what you're talking about. It resonates with me and everything that you're talking about, the vision, the plan, the massive action, how that carries over into everything, every part of your life, I believe to my core and to my soul. And so I uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you so much. And for everybody who's listening, follow Brady, follow zero to 100 and be a part of this, this community because it, it's going to be a game changer. So thanks, Brady. Mario, appreciate it, man. This has been great.